0: you need a landscaping job tackled, Keen Landscaping is a family-owned and operated full-service landscaping company based in Dallas, Texas. Anything from property restoration and tree printing or removal to landscape design, construction and installation, Keen covers it all. They're also the official landscape company of the Dallas Stars. Learn more at KeenLandscaping.com. Again, that's K-E-A-N-E Landscaping.com. Welcome to Parker's MMA Show. If you want to learn about all things going down in the fight world, you've come to the right place. Each episode, your host Parker Keen will take a deeper dive into the always entertaining world of sanctioned fist fighting. Now here's your host, Parker Keen.
1: Parker's MMA Show back in action this week as well as UFC 254 going down in on Fight Island. Uh, Billy, we've got a lot to talk about. We're going to start by, um, kind of recapping last week's boxing match, as well as the, uh, zombie Brian Ortega fight. Uh, Chris Cyborg was back in action and then we're going to get heavy, heavy, heavy into, uh, UFC 254 going down this weekend. So Billy, let's get rolling. I want to jump in first. Um, our guy, Teofimo Lopez dethrones the king, Lomachenko, um, I, I think both you and I both thought this is was maybe a possible outcome. It was I I think we saw it pretty even, but what did you make of the actual fight?
2: Amazing game plan by Teofimo Lopez, right? I mean, use the jab early. You know, everybody talks about Loma's kind of this rhythm fighter, right? This guy who, you know, everybody loves to talk about the Ukrainian dance story and how his father pulled him out of boxing to dance so he had great footwork. But he's very rhythmic in the way that he fights, and so the use of the jab, and especially probably the first four rounds of that fight by Teofimo Lopez, were was really stunning. Right? It was able to throw Loma off of his rhythm in a way that we've never seen because Loma's known as a slow starter, but he's usually a guy who, you know, is not getting hit at all, just downloading information, and the first couple rounds are usually very boring. Teofimo was hitting him. I mean, he was hitting him with jabs early and we really have not seen anyone do that to Lomachenko. So that was very impressive to me by Teofimo Lopez.
1: Yeah, totally. And that was kind of what we said he needed to do to win this fight was, you know, start fast, bring the fight to Lomo. Um Lomo felt that power and I think, you know, he was very very wary of that power early. So, yeah, this dude this dude's a problem, you know, and he's he's going to be very tough to beat at that weight class. Um and I just think for Lomachenko, I just think he didn't get into the fight soon enough. He just, you know, it was round seven, eight before he started picking up the pace and, and really, you know, doing what he does best. And you just, you can't spot those rounds to a guy like Lopez, who's not going to go away and he's going to carry power, you know, throughout and be dangerous throughout the entire fight. So um, how, how did you score the fight? so i had it 117 111 which is nine
2: rounds to three for lopez um i thought rounds two five seven and nine were really close really yeah. really close and could have gone either way honestly um but that's how i had it incidentally one of the judges actually had my exact scorecard which i don't know that that's a uh a good thing for me um is
1: that the judge but... everyone was roasting
2: no, there was a judge who there was a judge who had it like what ten rounds to two or like yeah, eleven yeah. rounds to
1: one. Yeah, I thought that was crazy, and yeah, um, I I I but saw I, it closer. It could have been a draw. It could yeah. have been a draw. I I honestly with boxing, like I saw that very close to was it the first or the second Canelo Triple G fight? It was like
2: the second one.
1: The second one. Yeah, I I wouldn't have been mad with the draw, but I I thought that Lopez put a statement on the fight with that twelfth round. I really did. Um, we were watching it. I I think I missed the first round. We tuned in about the second round and, you know, I, I thought Loma had round seven to maybe 10 or 11 maybe. And then that round 12, I mean, Lopez came out and just freaking brought the fight to him. So he did it. I mean, he, he did what he needed to do to get that win. I, I feel very comfortable that he won that fight. Um, that leads me to my next question. Do you think we'll see an immediate rematch with these two guys? Yeah, I do.
2: Because I think boxing, matchmaking, cross-promotion is really hard right now with the pandemic and the state of boxing. Um, So the next kind of guys up for me would be like a Devin Haney or a a Tank, Gervonta Tank Davis. Um, I don't think either of those guys fighting Lomachenko or Teofimo Lopez anytime soon. I think this was a close enough fight that you could see a rematch and I, I, you know, it did big numbers, right? So, you know, these are probably thought of as guys who are not that big outside kind of the hardcore boxing or hardcore combat sports space. And th- this was definitely a marquee event for boxing, which you and I have talked about has been really down during the pandemic while UFC has been up. So, um, I, you know, I, I would like to see an re- immediate rematch just cause I think the interest is there.
1: Yeah. And I- I think a Lomachenko, that maybe grows into this weight class a little more, maybe comes up with a better game plan, gets started faster against this guy, that makes for a really, really fun second fight. And then, you know, possibly they could build a trilogy into this. And then at that point, you know, I, I, I think these two are probably putting on some of the most competitive fights in boxing. So it's a way to, you know, especially for Lopez, a guy that's not as well known as Lomachenko, to build that name you know, while boxing is slow, while the big big names aren't fighting. So, um, yeah, I, I think they should definitely do an immediate rematch. I'm, I'm thinking early, you know, 2021. Um, but overall, great fight. Two great fighters. Um, Billy, I don't even know what this question means. All right. <laughs> the, Billy says there was a big debate on Twitter after fighting – after the fight about um, considering boxers fighters. So, like, one, Billy.
2: here's – Here's the question, right? Here's what was floating around. I think I know where you're going to stand on this, right? So they kept calling, like, the referring to the two boxers, Lomachenko and Lopez, as fighters. Like, kept calling them fighters. And there was, like, definitely a backlash from part of MMA Twitter saying, like, boxers aren't real fighters. Like, the only real fighters are, like, MMA fighters. Like, where do you stand on that?
1: MMA Twitter is so dumb. They can be so dumb at times. That that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Are you kidding me? Anyone that engages in a combat one-on-one sport with another man is a real fighter. If they don't think boxers are real fighters, go see Arturo Grotti, uh, Mickey Ward trilogy. Uh, shit, there's so many crazy wars. Hagler Hearns. Yeah, Hagler Hearns in boxing. I mean, you don't understand too. Like, boxing is. A sport that these these guys have grown up doing their entire lives. It's not like MMA. You don't jump in at 21 years old after wrestling, you know, in college. Professional boxers, most of them, outside of maybe Deontay Wilder, has spent a lifetime boxing in gyms, going to war and sparring, taking damage. I mean, these guys these guys are warriors. Um, yeah, that, that's absolutely stupid. MMA Twitter, relax. Come on. All right. I don't want to talk about that anymore. That's retarded. All right, let's move on here. Um, Billy, UFC, Fight Island, uh, last week, Fight Island, that's number six. We've got uh, Jessica Andraj was back in action, moving up a weight class, taking on uh, Caitlin Charcugan. Did I butcher that last name? Char- Chukagian.
2: So Chukagian. very close.
1: Chukagian. We'll just stick with Blonde Fighter. Um, that's why I put Blonde Fighter down in the notes. <laughs> <clears throat> Andraj looked great to me in her move up. Um, she now becomes the first woman with wins at 115, 125, and 135. My question for you: Does Jessica Andraj deserve the next title fight against Valent- Valentina Shevchenko? Why not, man?
2: Why not? I mean, like this is now two in a row because we thought we both thought she looked great against Rose Namajunas. I know Rose won that fight. It was a fairly close decision win, right? It was it was two rounds to one. I believe it was a split decision even. I think it and was, yeah. We both thought that Andraj looked great. The only people she's really lost yeah. to Joanna, Wiley Zhang, and Rose Namiunas at one fifteen. Right. She comes out there against the number one contender. I mean, Caitlin Chukagan, say what you want about her as a fighter, but she was she's the number one ranked fighter at Flyweight. She comes out. And she, she knocks her out in 30 seconds. What more do you want? I mean, like, like that to me is, is someone who deserves a title shot. Like, are you going to give Cynthia Calvillo a a title shot over her? Because that's crazy to me. Like Calvillo, albeit a good fighter, like won a boring five round decision against Jessica I. I think Chukagian is better than Jessica I. and Andrade stopped her. I mean that has to count for something, right? 22. So to me it's the obvious Yeah, I mean choice.
1: she's a, yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. And just like like name value in women's AM, MMA. She's a I mean next biggest name in this weight weight class like by a mile. You know, I if you, I I am like pretty hardcore and I couldn't name 10 125 fighters, I don't think. So um yeah, I got no problem with her jumping the queue. Um you know and getting that next fight. So um all right, let's move on to Brian TCD Ortega back in action after a 2-year layoff and puts on an absolute masterclass against the Korean Zombie. Billy, what are, what are your your media reactions to that fight? sobbing quietly to
2: myself as thinking about Korean Zombie's career. Um the <laughs> No, I, I was super impressed, right? I was super impressed. Because Korean Zombie's a great striker. He's a great striker. And Brian Ortega outstruck him. I mean, that was a striking match. Sure, like, Ortega did a great job mixing up the takedowns, threatening the takedowns with little feints and whatnot, and, you know, kind of opening up his boxing. I mean, the way he opened up that spinning elbow, uh, that's the highlight of the fight. That's probably the highlight of the night for me. I mean, that's And I think that, unbelievable I think changed technique. the fight.
1: Right, that changes a fight. A shot like that, yeah. I think Korean Zombie went on to say he didn't remember hardly anything after (laughs) after that shot. And yeah, but I mean,
2: on top of that, you know, you watch the guy for—I mean, the other—you know, twenty-four minutes and fifty seconds of that fight, right? You watch the guy who fainted. His power hand was able to open up the the body kicks. I mean, those body kicks were vicious and it was just it was just a different level of striking than we've literally ever seen out of Brian Ortega.
1: Yeah, totally. And it was I don't I don't even know what to compare it to. I mean, it it reminds me of like the Justin Gaethje 2.0, the you know, Sean O'Malley, although the you know, competition wasn't the same, but when he came back from that layoff, just how sharp he was and how much he had improved. I think, you know, Brian Ortega's a guy that's, you know, he's had good boxing, he's got phenomenal Jiu Jitsu, but he has seemed to really just put everything together, and he was just firing on all cylinders. He seemed super calm, uh, super scary without his beautiful hair. Uh, really fluid in the striking, like you said. I mean, the the striking was like night and day. The way he was mixing it up and controlling the distance and controlling the fight with a guy in Korean Zombie—that's an incredible striker and has an incredible track record. Um, man. That was really, really impressive. I mean, the Korean Zombie just couldn't get started. Brian Ortega completely shut him out, takes a 50 to 45 decision across every scorecard. Um, Incredible. So for Brian Ortega, um, in your mind, is he the next in line for the title?
2: He has to be, right? I mean, I went into this fight, I literally said on the show last week, I'm pretty sure, there is no way Brian Ortega fights for the title next, no matter what he does in this fight. I pretty, I'm pretty sure I literally said that. And that performance was that good. I mean, Korean Zombie is a guy, he has, what, three first-round finishes in a row. His only loss in recent memory is the, you know, shock KO to Yair. He was a guy who last week we said that he's kind of, he would have gotten a title shot not taking this fight, right? Like we thought of him, we thought he was the clear number one contender at 145. Brian Ortega dismantled him. Dismantled him. Was not close. So like, I mean, you beat the guy who we consider number one that handily, you're now number one. And Brian Ortega has gone from number three to the clear number one in my mind.
1: I agree. I totally agree. I I don't think there's any other fight to make for Volkanovsky right now. So uh, let me ask you this. What what do you think – how do you think that version of Brian Ortega matches up against Max Holloway right now?
2: Here's my thing. Like no matter how good of a striker Brian Ortega becomes, he's never going to be Max Holloway right we we both agree on that that Brian Ortega will never be as good of a striker as Max Holloway, and so the question for me at that point is, is Brian Ortega a way better basically shoot boxer now than he was when he fought Max because it's not really about the striking. he's not going to go in there and outstrike Max over twenty five minutes it doesn't he could train forever. it won't happen like. It's just not the way this game works. Just like Max will never be as good at jujitsu jitsu as Brian Ortega. But if Brian Ortega can get good enough at striking where the takedowns he shot against Korean Zombie like work against Max, now we're talking about a completely different fight. Because Korean Zombie's way better on the ground than Brian or, than Max Holloway is. And Brian Ortega was way better on the ground than Korean Zombie. So if Brian Ortega can get good enough to where he can take down Max Holloway, that's a fight. He's yeah, I, never gonna beat him on the feet though.
1: Yeah, I, I will say about his I mean, his striking looked you know a lot smoother, a lot cleaner, a lot more polished. But I'll say something that stood out to me was his defense. I mean, he didn't take hardly any damage in that fight, and Korean zombie is a guy that damages everyone. He's like know, it's like similar to how I feel about Yoel Romero. It's like you walk into a fight with a guy like Korean Zombie, you're going out in a stretcher. You know, you're you're going to the hospital. You're going to get cut up. You're going to get hurt. And Brian Ortega didn't get touched. I mean, (laughs) you know, I I think he had to maybe split his head open from an incidental headbutt, but outside of that, I mean, he didn't take hardly any damage. And that's a totally different look from the last time we saw him, where you know he went to war with Max Holloway and he was just accepting damage, accepting, you know, going to war and exchanging with, with someone. And, um, that, that would, in my opinion, make that Max Holloway matchup a lot more interesting, but, um, yeah, I'm totally down for him taking on, um, the champion next, um, for Korean zombie. He's obviously in a hard spot here. You know, you and I both agree that if he didn't take the Ortega fight, he could have walked into that title fight. Um, where does he go from here? I think Max Holloway. I think Max Holloway
2: versus Korean Zombie is the fight to make. It's two guys who are legends at featherweight. I mean, Korean Zombie, if you look at his resume, he's probably a top five featherweight all time, at least as far as UFC featherweights go. So he's coming off a loss after a big win streak. Obviously, Max is coming off back-to-back title losses after big win streaks. It's a fan-friendly fight. You can easily put that on a big pay-per-view, like on the main card. And people will get excited about it. I, I, think, I think that's the perfect fight to make right now.
1: And I, I think it's an important fight. I, I think at any point in featherweight, Max Holloway is one fight away from a title shot. Um, I, I think he could have talked his way into a trilogy, you know, coming off of two losses with the champion if he wanted to. But um, here's, here's who I had. In order, I'd like to see him fight Max. If they don't want to make that fight for whatever reason, you make the Calvin Cater fight. If not that fight, you know, if they go with Calvin Cater versus Max Holloway, two guys, you know, two of the top, they would be, what, two and three right now. So that that matchup makes sense. Uh, The Edson Barbosa fight would be an awesome fight stylistically. I think um, Edson's looking to make, you know, make a push into that top five to ten like we talked about last week. So that's a really fun fight at 145. But, um, all right, if you're the UFC matchmakers, how do you match up 145 today?
2: So, uh, Volkanovski versus Brian Ortega for the title. Max versus the Korean Zombie. And I would I would almost consider that a number one contender fight, honestly. I, I think either of those guys wins, they could be looking at a title shot. Um, Yair versus Zabit. I think anyone who doesn't want to see that fight at this point is just doesn't like MMA. And then... Uh, Calvin Cater versus Josh Emmett, I think is actually a really fun kind of under the radar fight.
1: Okay. I have, uh, Volkanovsky versus Ortega, uh, Max versus Calvin, Calvin Cater. I like to that me. fight. Yeah. That, that's another, I, I see that fight very similar to the Korean zombie fight. That's just like one of those fights. It's going to be a banger. You can throw it on a pay-per-view card, uh, you know, two of the best guys right now. So, um, I, that's my second fight. I agree with you on Zabit and Yair, and then I, I want Korean Zombie and Edson Barbosa. I, I think that matches up well. Two you know legends, two guys that have been around forever. Uh, great stylistic matchup. So that's, that's what I would do. Um, all right, so for Brian Ortega, um, how do you think that he matches up in the eventual second title shot against Alexander Volkanovsky?
2: So here's my thing, right? Even, even the old version of Brian Ortega, say Brian Ortega 1.0 who fought Max Holloway, there was never any doubt that he was the more technical fighter than Alexander Volkanovsky, right? That version is more technical. This new version that we saw on Saturday is an even more technical version of that, right? But he was always going to have the technique edge, in my opinion. Volkanovsky is just not a technical guy, right? But the thing that Alexander Volkanovsky is really good at, and we've seen it against Jose Aldo, we've seen it against Max Holloway twice now, he's incredibly good defensively. Whatever he does movement-wise, with his feints, with his power, it throws guys who are volume strikers off of their game. Really, really good kickboxers, it throws them off of their game. So my question is, can like I think if Volkanovski can neutralize Brian Ortega's, or can neutralize Max Holloway's kickboxing and Jose Aldo's kickboxing, I think he can neutralize Brian Ortega as well. The question for me is if Volkanovski tries to wrestle with Brian Ortega because that clinch wrestling game and at least the threat of it is what sets up a lot of Volkanovski's offense. So he's not going to have that because Vol- Brian Ortega is just going to welcome him to the ground. So that's why it's kind of an interesting stylistic matchup for me. I don't think if we see that fight, it looks anything like we- what we just saw against the Korean Zombie.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's a much closer fight. Obviously, Ortega would invite a takedown attempt from Volkanovski. I think the striking is going to be a lot closer than most people would think. Just because, I I mean, Ortega has just improved so much from you know, the fighter that fought Max Holloway to the fighter we saw last weekend, it's just like levels, levels, levels beyond that. So, um, I think stylistically it's a very close matchup, very fun matchup. Um, one again that you could make, you know, towards the end of the year, early next, next year, January, you know, of next year. So, um, yeah, I'll be looking forward to that. Um, all right, off of that card, any other fights of note?
2: So shout out to my guy Guram Kutila Kuta Tledzi. Jesus, where's he, Where has is he abso- from? I gotta look that one up. Eastern Bloc somewhere. He has an absolute war, absolute yeah. war, with uh my guy, former KSW champion Mateusz Gamrot. He gets, he wins a close decision. He gets on the mic, and he says he doesn't feel like he won the fight and that the fight belongs to Gamrot. I've never seen that before in my life. Yeah. Literally never.
1: Yeah, i never Um, seen that either.
2: Shout out to that guy, though.
1: Yeah. Um, Georgia.
2: He's from Georgia, and his nickname is the Georgian Viking.
1: Huh. Love that. All right. Um, You want to talk about Cyborg real quick, and then we'll get into this week's card?
2: Yeah, I mean – Probably the most dominant win of Cyborg's career. Um, oh, my God. First ever win by submission. I mean, she brutalized that poor woman. Shout out to uh, Arlene Blenko for getting
1: in getting in the cage with Cyborg because she got steamrolled. I think Cyborg could fight once a month in Bellator and just stack up title defenses. I, I don't see anyone that's going to challenge her in Bellator, period. Unless Bell, unless
2: anyone outside of Amanda Nunes, right? Like it's Uh, not like it's Bellator.
1: Kayla Harrison, maybe if the PFL folds. Oh, get
2: out of here! Come on, really? You think Kayla Harrison beats Chris Cyborg? I don't. I didn't. I didn't
1: say beats. I I said it would be a more competitive fight than that absolute slaughter that I. I I think Felicia Spencer
2: could beat Kayla Harrison at one fifty five. How about that? There's Uh, your hot take potentially.
1: Alright, uh, but yeah, another another win for Cyborg. So, um, alright, let's move on, Billy. The reason we're really here. Huge, huge fight card this weekend. Uh, UFC 254 going down on Fight Island. We've got a special start time this weekend. of 2 p.m. Eastern on Saturday is the main card start. So, the prelims, early prelims will be much uh, sooner than that. So, um, let's get into it. Let's start with the co-main event. Um, we've got... Obviously, one of my favorite fighters, Bobby Knuckles, Robert Whitaker back in action this weekend at middleweight, um, in a and really a number one contender fight against rising uh, middleweight Jared Cannonier. Um, a very very important fight for this for this division and somewhat flying under the radar just because I think you know Khabib versus Justin is such a massive fight with so much at stake. But uh, Billy. In your mind, is this the number for sure the number one contender fight at middleweight?
2: Yeah, and I think it's the number one contender fight no matter who wins. Honestly, um, I still think I think Rob versus Izzy too is a big fight. I think with Rob, you know, if Rob is coming off wins against Darren Till and Jared Cannonier, I mean, that's still a big fight. Um, and I think it happens. And then Izzy obviously said that he wanted Jared Cannonier next, so. Um, that's definitely happening. If Cannoneer wins, I just, I don't think Izzy's going to light heavyweight until John Jones has the belt back.
1: Yeah. The only thing I'll say about the Rob Whitaker fight is, you know, I, I think Israel just feels like he maybe caught Rob at the right time. And it's one of those situations where it's like, I don't, I don't know how he could have a cleaner victory against a guy like Rob. So, I, I could see Israel not having a lot to prove taking that fight again, but if Rob goes in there and puts on you know, an awesome performance against Jared Cannonier, who everyone's high on, and especially the champion, um, I think he's kind of undeniable to get that second matchup against Izzy. So, um, yeah, this is a huge fight this weekend. But, all right, let's get into the X's and O's here, Billy. Um, how do you see this fight going?
2: So for me, the longer that this fight goes, the better the more it benefits Rob Whitaker, right? Because he's his cardio and his chin are out of this world when it his comes experience, to experience,
1: right? I mean, he's been there. He the guy did fifty minutes with Yoel Romero. I mean, the dude But been just
2: there. like I mean, he showed it again against yeah. Till, right? Like he got hurt earlier in that fight. Yeah. And like, he battled back. Like, that guy is just an absolute warrior in those late rounds, more than maybe anyone in the middleweight division outside of Israel Adesanya, in my opinion. But um, I, I I think Cannoneer just is going to come out early and just start swinging bombs. Yeah. Like, I, I think he realizes how good Rob's cardio is. I think he's going to try and make this kind of an ugly fight. Um but just trying to throw those power shots. And uh, I I kind of see Rob, like, maybe using his takedowns, maybe using his ground game here, um, trying to neutralize some of that boxing because Rob tends to leave his chin out, especially early in fights for whatever reason. It's like he forgets to tuck it until it gets, like, lit up. Um, like it's
1: clipped. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and Jared Cannonier has the best power in the middleweight division for me. So... I uh he's a former heavyweight. I mean, this guy is just unreal strong. And so uh, that's kind of what I have my eye on. It's like can Rob kind of weather this early storm and then kind of get into kind of the technical kickboxing match or, you know, a jiu-jitsu fight that he wants to have in the later rounds.
1: Yeah, I, I think for Rob, in my opinion, he's still a top 10 fighter on the planet. You know, even though he did lose his belt to of Adesanya. I I Just think he's one of the most experienced, one of the most well-rounded. He's got one of the best overall games in MMA. Um, He's good from everywhere. He's got no blaring weaknesses. Um, Mentally, you know, in all the interviews leading up to this fight, he seems to be in a great place. He seemed to be in a great place going into the Darren Till fight, but I just don't think that he was all the way there yet. So I'm expecting to see the best Robert Whitaker we've seen, you know, since his title run. Um, what else what else yeah i i I just don't i really i don't see this fight being competitive i i I get it that jared cannoneer's got power he came down from heavyweight all that good stuff he's got some good wins he's fought some good guys but i don't think he's on the level of robert whitaker when it comes to mma as a whole i i think robert whitaker is gonna pick him apart you know I, i think he's going to survive the early onslaught like you said but I, I, I think he's going to pick him apart. I really do. I think this is going to look like Brian Ortega and Korean Zombie last weekend. I, I, I think Whitaker is going to outclass Jared Cannonier. I really do.
2: Rob Whitaker has gotten dropped in his last four fights. Four
0: he's huh, now that's... fighting
2: the guy who we're in agreement. The only person I might listen to as having more power than Jared Cannoneer at the top of the middleweight division is Yoel Romero. And yeah. I think it's, I think it's close. Yeah. I think it's Cannoneer. If you wanted to say it was Romero, I would say fine, but he's definitely a top two guy. Rob gets dropped in every fight these days, every so fight. How, so like, you see, I agree. You see he's Cannonier the better
1: striker. Him. How do you see Cannonier beating him here?
2: He's going to punch him in the face, and then he's going to keep punching him in the face on the ground until the fight ends, because Rob's defense so. is not good. Rob walks into right straights almost every single fight.
1: I don't think so. I, I think Rob's Rob's movement's going to be too much. I I just I think he's going to confuse Cannonier, and I don't. I I guarantee. I think it's going to be just like last weekend. We're not going to see. Cannoneer gets started Rob is just going to outclass him from start to finish I see a Rob third round TKO Billy what do you got Oh my
2: god I think Jared Cannoneer knocks him out in the first round I think I agree with you that Rob Whitaker is the more technical better MMA fighter but like this is in athleticism is a cheat code situation and the one thing Rob Whitaker is bad at is the thing that will put you to sleep against Jared Cannoneer side bet it's a matchup (laughs) It's a matchup. It's not about Rob Whitaker being a shitty MMA fighter, because I absolutely don't think that. But it's it's a very bad matchup for him, in my opinion.
1: I, I think the only way that Cannonier gets a win here is if he just makes that first-round chaos, and Rob obliges to a war, and he catches Rob. I, I don't see him winning a fight over three rounds. There's just no way against Robert Whitaker. Um, so I made my pick. I've got Robert Whitaker via third round TKO, and I think it's not even going to be close.
2: Jared Cannonier, first
1: round KO. <sighs> You're crazy. You're insane. How dare you disrespect Bobby Knuckles like that? Um, all right. The time is here. Justin Gaethje is getting his first title shot against one of the most dominant fighters of all time, Khabib Nurmagomedov, 28-0. Um, one of the most dominant champions of all time, taking on one of the most violent and electric strikers of our era. Um, Billy, I'm pumped. I'm so pumped. Uh, We're only a couple days away. But anyway, how do you see this fight going?
2: I I think Khabib is finally going to get respect from the entire MMA fan base. I I think there's going to be no no more argument about how dominant and how good this man is after this fight, to be honest. Um, Everyone talks about how good Justin's wrestling is, right? You know, all American, Northern Colorado can't be taken down, whatever you read. Some of these accounts that have been coming out about people who roll with Khabib, people who have fought Habib, like what it feels like on the ground up against the cage with this guy. I think, I think, this is going to look early pretty similar to the conor mcgregor fight i think justin's gonna you know kind of faint a few strikes you know try and get make his reads and then i think eventually habib is just gonna chain wrestle him put him up against the fence drag him to the ground and do the exact same thing that he does to everyone else lace up the legs and punch justin gaethje into in the face and win a 50 to 45 decision that's honestly what i see after.
1: what What are you smoking today, Billy? Oh, my God. No, that's not going to happen. All right, I'm going to tell you what I think is going to happen. I I think these are two guys that have built a career basically off of breaking guys, obviously in two different ways. Um, Justin started with the chaotic, just blood and guts, you know, striking, wild, wild fights, and then Khabib's got that style that, you know, he's kind of the last of a dying breed of just dominant... MMA wrestlers, but he's got that one style. He'll take you down, control you, beat you up, and make you quit. Um, I think this is Khabib's toughest test to date. You know, I think Justin's the most dangerous guy that he's fought um, with the combination of the wrestling, the newly improved Justin Gaethje 2.0 striking. Um, I, I just think this is a really dangerous fight for for Khabib, and I think it's a lot closer than your thinking it is i i really do um what what in your mind is the biggest question around this fight you know when you're thinking about kind of the x's and o's of this fight for each guy uh, i mean for
2: justin right he's never fought a wrestler of habib's caliber in mma he's never even fought someone like who's in the same stratosphere as habib in the wrestling department um so it's like, to me, how how much of this fight will be contested on the feet? Because that's where we all think Justin Gaethje has the advantage. Nobody thinks that Justin Gaethje's going in there to wrestle with Habib. So like he has to keep this standing and then use his body punching and his leg kicks to kind of slow Habib down. Because... The thing that nobody, everybody talks about when you get in the, finally get in the cage with Habib is how much faster that guy is than they thought he would be. You know, he caught, he catches people off guard all the time. And so he has to slow that, slow Habib down. And then when Habib's going for those low single leg takedowns that he likes so much, Justin has to be willing to kind of accept the takedown in order to inflict damage. Justin has some of the best elbows in the lightweight division. He's got to hit Habib with elbows and then figure out a way to get up off his back because you're not going to just stuff the takedown against Habib.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I think the biggest question we're going to, I think we're going to get this answer early. It's like the first wrestling exchange is so important for the course of this fight. You know, if Justin, if Justin can stuff a couple takedowns early and build confidence because you know, Khabib's never going to stop. That's what he thrives on. He doesn't necessarily always get that first shot. But it's the second, the third, the fourth one. He finally gets you down. Then he controls you and beats you up. So I think that first wrestling exchange is very, very important. And it's like, I think I think Justin for sure is going to get taken down. But it's like, what can he do? What can he do to not be on his back? What can he do to get back up? And no one's been able to do that against Khabib, period, across 28 fights. So, um, yeah, that, that's the biggest question for me. It's like, when he gets taken down, he's definitely going to get taken down. What does he do? Can he get up? Can he scribble? So how's can he, he going to win, Parker? How's he going to win?
2: Because guess what? I, I agree with you that, yeah. like, I think Justin Gaethje is a phenomenal, phenomenal MMA fighter. I'm not sure I would say he's, I think Dustin Poirier is better than Justin Gaethje, but we can d- disagree on that. I'm fine. Um, but nobody has stopped Habib from taking them down, and nobody has gotten up since he took them down. Nobody. It's literally never happened over a 25-minute fight. If you get taken down with Habib, you're glued to that mat. That's the reality. Like, so I, I just don't see it. I don't, I genuinely, I want to see it. I love Justin Gaethje. I think he's a phenomenal, exciting fighter, but at the end of the day, like, This guy, Habib, is just different. It's a different type of fighter. Like, he's going to get in there. He's going to push the pace. He's going to get Justin against the fence. And then Justin's going to hit the mat. And how many rounds he survives is determinant on when they start that round standing, how many minutes can you stay on your feet? That's going to be how many rounds he can survive.
1: Yeah, I I just think he's got to use movement. And the biggest thing, he's got to stay in the center of the octagon and try to get Khabib to exchange with them, and then when Khabib shoots, he's gotta gotta stay on his feet. You know, he, if not, I agree with you. If if he if he gets taken down twice in the first round, it's gonna look like the Conor McGregor, the Dustin Poirier fight. Um, but I think out of all the guys that Khabib has fought, Justin's got the most, the deepest skill set, or the best skill set for Khabib. You know, the defensive wrestling is phenomenal i think he's been taken down twice in his ufc career and held down for 17 seconds total albeit none of those guys are khabib Nurmagomedov, but um very interesting matchup you know this i i kind of feel if justin can can block a couple early takedowns and just start chipping away chipping away chipping away at khabib um he's gonna have a better chance to win but let's get into the path for victories um for Justin Gaethje, what do you think he has to do to win this fight?
2: To to me, it's all about, like I was talking about earlier, how long can he keep the fight standing? The way that he's going to do that is with leg kicks and body punches. So using those combos, you know, we know Trevor Whitman is an absolute master with this sort of thing. But using those combos to slow down Habib, so when Habib blitzes in, it's slower and Justin can get out of the way and use the footwork that you talked about. But in order to make that happen, you have to slow down Habib. And so that's what I'm worried about is by the time he's able to do that in the fourth and fifth round usually, like is Habib already up three rounds on the scorecard and kind of cruising to a victory because – you know, we know Justin Gaethje is kind of a grinder in terms of his striking style. You know, he kind of like wears guys down over the course of a fight.
1: Um, Yeah, the, the old Justin Gaethje, I think, was more of a, you know, he's going to take you out, take you out, break you with his striking. But the most recent Justin Gaethje is a much more calculated striker, more of a counterpuncher, dangerous, kind of one punch, picks his shots a lot better. So it's a different... Version of Justin Gaethje, but for me, I I think he's. I mean, the biggest thing, like I said, is first the first couple wrestling exchanges. You know, in the first round with Conor McGregor, I think you and I both knew it was done after that first round. Like he wasn't getting out of there. That's how the fight was going to look. If Justin can avoid getting taken down, stay off the cage for the first couple rounds. Um, build, his six, build his confidence, frustrate Khabib. I, I think he has a lot better chance going deeper into the round. Um, so defensive wrestling is number one for me. Leg kicks um, are a huge, huge part of Justin Gaethje's game. He's got, in my opinion, some of the best leg kicks in maybe MMA history ever. It's just vicious. He's stopped multiple guys with it. You know, see the Dustin Poirier fight, the Michael Johnson fight, the Eddie Alvarez fight. Um, just does absolutely damage with those leg kicks. So I think he needs to invest in that early. You know, anytime Khabib shoots, he's got to load up that lead leg. Anytime Khabib throws a jab, he's got to l- load up that lead leg. Justin Gaethje needs to be unleashing calf and leg kicks. And Justin Gaethje said this, you know, hundreds of times. He's like, I need two to three, fight- two to three leg kicks to change the course of any fight. And I believe that in this fight. You know, if he goes in there and and just starts hammering those calf kicks in the first round and hurts Khabib, that's going to change the the course of the fight. Um, So leg kicks are number two for me. Stick to the game plan. Um, Trevor Whitman, like you said, is one of the brightest and just best minds in MMA at the moment. I I think whatever game plan he's put in place for Justin, Justin's got to stick to that game plan. Um, You know, you saw in the Tony Ferguson fight, just some minor adjustments he made Like Justin, I think, you know, round three or so, kept loading up trying to finish Tony Ferguson. And Trevor Whitman said, hey, just make contact. Be smart. You know, just keep hitting him. Pick your shots. And it's little things like that that I think make a big difference. Um, And then the counter-striking. You know, I I think Justin's became much, much more of a counter-striker. And he's going to have to fight off the back foot because Khabib is going to be super aggressive and trying to chase him down all over the octagon. So um, those are really my four things for Justin. Um, let's get into Khabib. What do you think he has to do? I think we all know what he has to do to get the victory, but go over it here.
2: It's really about pace for me with Khabib, right? It's how fast are his shots? How fast is he able to chain one takedown attempt to the next? And then, you know, how, how fast is he able to kind of counter punch and land that jab in a striking, right? So if Khabib is moving quick, there's no, nobody in the world has a chance against him at 155 pounds. So um, that's my key for him is kind of push that pace, create that pressure early and then slow Justin down late because of all the pressure from the early rounds and kind of cruise your way to a victory.
1: Yeah. For me, it's, it's what got him to the dance. He's got to stick to that. Um, you know, he's got almost a 50% takedown percentage success Uh, percentage in the ufc so i think just that constant grind and constantly shooting for the takedown wears all these guys down and by the third or fourth round you know they're broken you know and that's that's when he goes in gets the finish or gets the submission when the gas tank's completely drained and he's done it time after time to you know some of the best guys in the world at lightweight. So I think that's, that's what he's got to do. He's got to avoid the big shots from Justin too. Justin's one of these guys got similar to Conor McGregor. It's like, you know, he's got one punch knockout power. Um, we've never really seen Khabib hurt, you know, so I, I, I think he'll be looking out for that, but he's got to watch out for that one shot power from Justin Gaethje. Um, all right, let's get into some hypotheticals here. So Billy, if Justin Gaethje upsets you and uh, knocks out your guy, Khabib Nurmagomedov. Uh, Do you think Khabib has done enough to deserve an immediate rematch? Do not mistake
2: analysis for favoritism, my friend. How dare you? How dare you slander Justin Gaethje? I'm Um, still
1: mad about your comments on Bobby Knuckles.
2: All right. (laughs) I think it's very possible that if it's a decision, especially if it's a close decision, like a three rounds to two decision, I think they could definitely book an immediate rematch if Gaethje wins. Yeah, um, I could also see the the UFC going straight for Gaethje Poirier too. That was a a fight of the year contender, and you know it only gets you know it could be an all timer with a belt on the line with those two guys duking it out over five rounds. So. Um, if Gaethje wins, that's kind of the. I see them going one of those two directions.
1: Yeah, I agree. This, this fight's weird. This is one of those fights that I just don't. I don't think it's going to be close. Like I don't see this being a close decision either way. Either Khabib's going to dominate him, or Justin Gaethje's going to stuff takedowns and 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 pick him apart. I think on on the feet. So, I, I for me, I you know. Khabib is obviously a global superstar now. You know, I think he's just as big of a star, especially internationally, as Conor McGregor is for the sport. So, you know, I think based on that alone, I agree. If it's a close fight, I could see them doing the rematch. Um, I think either way, you've got to force Conor McGregor to fight Dustin Poirier. Um you have to. You can't let – I don't think you can let either of those guys skip the queue and get right back into a title match. I think both of those guys have to fight. Um, so so that's what I see. I, I, I think you do McGregor, uh, Poirier, the winner gets the winner of this fight. Um. If Justin Gaethje is able to get this win, where would you put him in, in the pound-for-pound pound, um, rankings right now? Because I think Khabib and you know, most people's rankings are, is either number one or number two. So if Justin Gaethje pulls a win off of that guy, where do you put Justin Gaethje?
2: So I think right now the top five for men is uh, John Jones, Habib, Israel Adesanya, Stipe Miocic, Kamaru Usman, Alexander Volkanovsky, then Justin Gaethje. I would move him above Volkanovski with this win, but not above Usman.
1: Okay. Yeah. I, what do you think? I moved him above Usman. Probably just to piss you off a little bit. Uh, I, yeah, I agree. He was seventh right now. I put him um, at four above Volkanovski and Usman just because I think if if he's able to beat a dominant champion like Khabib, he deserves a lot of respect. You know, a lot of respect. So, um, all right, let's talk a little bit about Khabib. So if Khabib wins here and becomes 29 and O, um, what is this special matchup that you think Dana has planned for him?
2: So yeah, Khabib keeps talking about this, right? He says Dana has something special planned for him. I think it's a fight in Moscow. I think if Khabib wins this, he's going to get a fight in Moscow. Um, we know that he's wanted a fight in Russia for a while because of the pay-per-view situation they've, Can't really do that. But now that they've been doing these cards in Abu Dhabi, like, why not? Right? So that's what I think is going to happen.
1: I agree. I think it's going to be a Moscow fight, you know, sometime in 2021. um, And I think it's going to be a GSP. I, I don't think Khabib has any interest in fighting Conor McGregor again. He was quoted earlier this week saying he wouldn't fight Conor McGregor for $5 billion or if he was gifted the UFC. Um, I just, I don't think that Khabib wants anything to do with that again. I don't think he wants the nastiness of the lead up. He doesn't think it's going to improve his legacy. And I just think he's over it. I think he's moved on. I really do. Um, you know, and I, I think his, his big goal is to become 30 and O that was the, the goal his father put in place for him and they always talk about it. So if he's able to do that in front of his home country against GSP and, you know, toss his name in the hat for the greatest of all time with the win against GSP. I don't think there's a better situation for that than that. So, um, that wait, 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 just so we're clear.
2: If Khabib, if Habib beats Justin Gaethje in his prime, he's not the greatest of all time. But then if he beats 40 year old GSP in his home country, he now becomes the greatest of all time.
1: Uh, that's that's the other thing. It's like, where does he fight him too? Like, obviously GSP. Do you fight? Does Khabib go up to one seventy for a one time fight? I I just don't I don't see GSP coming down to one fifty five. And if he did, I don't I don't think it's gonna be. But the like, best why GSP. do we why do we need? I know like Habib
2: like idolized GSP, and that's like his dream fight. But like, as fans. Why do we care about him beating a 40-year-old fighter who hasn't fought since what, 2017?
1: I I don't I think it's he's the one pushing that. He wants that fight for his legacy, just to say that hey, I beat George St-Pierre, you know? I Fight Tony Ferguson for your legacy. That's the yeah. fight. No, I'm I'm on board with you. I'm just telling you I I think that's what Khabib and Dana are thinking about they're 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 but trying to get G- GSP down for one last ride, which is big business. You don't think so? George is not going to do that. I don't think. I
2: think GSP is truly, honestly done. Really? Yes.
1: I don't know. I I think that's. A I think really- it's going to be
2: Tony Ferguson in Moscow. That's my guess.
1: Tony Ferguson coming off a beating to Justin Gaethje, he would have to get another win.
2: I think Tony Ferguson. Well, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. I think Tony Ferguson is going to fight someone who we're going to talk about in the very next set of questions.
1: Okay, let me ask you this. What's a bigger fight, assuming Khabib gets past Justin Gaethje this weekend, the Conor McGregor 2 or George St. Pierre?
2: Conor McGregor 2, no question. I don't think it's close.
1: Okay. Um, All right, let's move on here. So, all right, with the win, is there any chance that you think this is it for Khabib, that he's done? Has he accomplished everything he wants to?
2: I like okay, so we talked about it last segment, but I I think he should fight Tony Ferguson and then retire at 30 and 0. If he beats Tony Ferguson, here's his resume at one fifty five, right? Connor, Ally Quinta, Edson Barbosa, Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje, Rafael Hafiel dosanos. Who has that resume? At 155, that's a John Jones style. Tony Ferguson. (laughs) I beat, I beat every great fighter. Tony hasn't beat. Tony hasn't beaten Dustin. Tony hasn't beaten Connor. Tony's not 30 and 0. I mean, the only other one that I think would be interesting. Tony Ferguson's interesting. And then if he wants to go up to 170, beat Kamara Usman, and then retire at 30 and 0, that's pretty impressive as well.
1: But, yeah, like, but that's another that's, one. Like that's, that's, that's greatest of all yeah, time. That's no like I don't think the UFC is interested in having a Kamara Usman Khabib fight like at all. I I don't I don't see that. I don't as think a draw. so either. Yeah, when you have Connor and you have GSP on the table, um,
2: but then but Connor and GSP aren't legacy fights at that point. If you want a legacy fight, it's Tony Ferguson or it's a second bell. Yeah, Connor and GSP are money fights, but Khabib never does that.
1: Yeah, I don't think Khabib cares about money, but I think for whatever reason, in the back of his head, he, he wants that fight with GSP. I, I really do think that's something he's been set on. Um, all right, so we kind of already answered this, but do you think there's any outside chance of the UFC skipping the Dustin vs. Connor alleged matchup in January and just you know pole vaulting Connor into a second fight with Khabib after being basically off the whole year there's a part of me that thinks like the lockdown in ireland is
2: going to force that at least push that fight back as is um but the i i don't i don't think habib and connor ever fight again i just don't think it happens not as long as habib is champion
1: i just think i don't need to see it either i i don't i don't think there's going to be a huge difference in that matchup even with a dedicated conor mcgregor i really don't so um who, who do you think needs more needs the other more i i think at this point connor is like connor needs khabib to get his stardom you know above where it was at its peak
2: oh to get him above where he was yeah, yeah because yeah. when connor was at his peak he was a 2 eight world champion coming off beating the best featherweight of all time and the guy who held the 155 belt, right? Like, there's no way to get back to that peak without beating UFC champions, and Connor just hasn't beaten UFC champions his past couple times out.
1: So you don't you don't see any any shot of the UFC skipping the Connor Dustin fight to throw him back in there with Khabib?
2: No, no, definitely yeah. not. I I really I don't think that's even on the table.
1: Yeah, I don't think you could push that or sell that. All right, uh, last thing on the uh, Connor dustin fight, what are your thoughts on that fight being up at 170? There's obviously a lot of blowback this week in the last couple weeks about that.
2: No, they're going to fight at 155. That's my guess. I, 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 they have
1: to, yeah. I agree.
2: Like, if when it's Cowboy and it's like, all right, Conor McGregor's coming back – there's not really big stakes for this fight other than the fact that it's just like Connor's return. Like, and you want to say, I don't really want to cut weight. Let's fight at 170. That's fine, right? right? This is a legitimate number one contenders fight. Like, you need to show that you can make the lightweight limit and still be a great fighter,
1: right? Um, all right. This is another storyline that I haven't heard talked about a lot, but obviously, Khabib's father passed away um, due to circumstances involving COVID, um, what back in March or April, maybe, uh, it was pretty early. Yeah, it was pretty early in the, in the COVID situation, but, um, obviously Khabib's father was someone that all of his inner circle looked up to. He was, you know, their trainer, kind of a role model to these guys. Um, you know, someone that was always in Khabib's corner when he could be, um, what if any effect do you think this will have on Khabib's performance this Saturday?
2: I mean, Khabib has been asked about it in literally every interview I've seen, and he's like very clearly sick of talking about it. Which is, I feel bad for the guy, right? Like you lose your father, and you know that's all anybody's asking you about all fight week. Um, I I think the the effect of this sort of thing when you lose. It's one thing to lose a father, right? but to lose a coach from a mixed martial arts standpoint, you typically don't see the effect of that in the short term. It's only in the long term that when you have to have someone else who's running your day to day training that you start to see you start to lose the habits that you developed over like under your old coach. I think Kevin Lee is a perfect example That's exactly
1: who I was thinking of, yeah
2: with Robert Fallis yeah. of getting into some bad habits kind of not the fight immediately following his passing but in kind of subsequent fights after that so I I don't think this will have a huge effect on Habib's game plan or ability to fight in this particular fight I think the place you would see it is you know two three four fights down the road
1: I agree I I think it's just something to keep in the back of your mind during this fight um the only the thing that kind of brought this question in my mind was you know I, I think remembering back to the conor mcgregor fight um his father wasn't in his corner you know it was statesides and his father couldn't get over and i remember javier mendez you know basically imploring him to get back to father's game plan is what he called it and i, I think khabib was was feeling good and wanted to strike with conor so um I don't know. I, I think his father is the one that like instilled that game plan in him. Like, hey, you're gonna take guys down. You're gonna smash them. You're gonna become the most dominant champion, you know, in 155 history. So it, it'll be interesting not having them there and to also kind of see where Khabib's motivation is. So, I, you know, I heard Dan. I think it was Dan Hardy this week talking about it, um, saying his grandfather, who basically raised him, passed away. You know, three weeks before the GSP fight, and he said the motivation going into that fight was just like amplified all week. So that'll be interesting to see, you know, how motivated, uh, obviously he's motivated, but if we see a different could be this week. Um, all right, let's move on to Michael Chandler. So Michael Chandler, we've talked to in the past, um, talked about in the past, obviously just made the move over from Bellator, um, to add to what is already probably one of the deepest divisions in MMA. But, um, where is Michael Chandler in all of this?
2: I, you know, I kind of think he's going to end up fighting Tony Ferguson by the end of the year. I think that's just the fight that ends up happening the way that things have shaken out, and I'm fine with, totally fine with that for his debut. I think it's it's uh, uh right where he's at in the rankings.
1: Yeah. You know, well, he's so he's at Fight Island. He's basically the backup, which I still think is kind of weird. But um, anyway, so. Yeah, I'm down with that. I, I think I've said it before, but I think Tony Ferguson or Dan Hooker are kind of your one A, one B best matchups for Michael Chandler to jump into the division right now. Um, so for Michael Chandler, in the very not, well, we won't say the very rare because Khabib's missed weight before, fallen out of fights before. If by some chance and knock on wood, hopefully this doesn't happen uh one of these guys falls out this weekend, how do you match Michael Chandler up against each of these guys, Kabib and Justin?
2: I'm not I'm not really convinced that Michael Chandler could beat either guy at this stage of his career. Um Gaethje's obviously a much more winnable fight for Michael Chandler, as is Justin Gaethje is a more winnable fight for everyone than Habib is, right? Habib is just a stylistic nightmare for every single fighter in that division. Um, I, 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 th- and I actually think Habib is like a much better version of Michael Chandler. Right? It's kind of a similar game plan, but Habib's just way, way better at it. Um, not to say that Michael Chandler's not very good because he is. But I think three to four years ago, Michael Chandler could probably make the argument he's the best 155er in the world. At 34, with a recent KO loss to Pitbull. I just I don't know that he's in that conversation anymore. He's definitely still in the top 10. He's very good. I don't know if he's up there with the top 1 or 2 guys at this point in his career.
1: Yeah, I think he's competitive with maybe number 4 to 10, but in the elite of the elite, you know, Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor, Justin Gaethje, Khabib, even Tony Ferguson, I, I just think they're one step ahead of Michael Chandler. At at this point in his career And obviously we'll find out You know shortly Um, But yeah I I think Khabib Kind of just Weathers the early storm And Michael Chandler Takes him down Wears him down And you know Wins pretty handedly Over you know five rounds Um, Justin I think Yes it's a closer fight But still I think Justin's just a younger You know better Overall fighter right now And I, I think he would actually Probably finish Michael Chandler Yeah, I think the striking is too
2: much. uh, Yeah, I do too. I I, I think he probably knocks
1: him out with one of those hooks. Yeah, I do too. Um, And Michael Chandler's a guy that's like foot on the gas the whole time, you know. So I, I I think he would be, he would, he could walk into a big shot from Justin. Um, All right, so where do you rank Michael Chandler currently?
2: So there's a group of guys, kind of like, like you said, that second tier of what I would call a second tier of lightweights, right? and i would rank them this way from best to worst Doe bronx charles Oliveira, michael chandler dan hooker then paul felder um i think those guys are all very even i think they have similar standings in the division um and i would i would match you know match any of them up and i you know i think it would be a very close fight
1: yeah i agree i i don't think he beats any of those four guys i named conor uh, justin khabib tony uh, dustin five guys i don't think he beats those guys but that next tier like you're saying um, every one of those fights in my mind's a 50 50 fight you know so um yeah i'd say you he splots in somewhere around five to six right now with the paul felders a dan hookers uh charles de bronx of the world um all right billy it's time for our predictions We're, we've been at odds this episode. So let's keep, let's keep that train rolling. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, man, I'm going Habib by decision. Uh, it's not because I, I love Justin Gaethje. You know that Parker, I I'm, I'm actually, I'm offended that you acted like I'm some big Habib fan and not a unabashed lover of Justin Gaethje's ability to fight in a cage. Um, but I just think Habib is too much. And I think he's too much for everyone. Like, I after the after the McGregor fight I told you I was like I'm never picking against Habib again ever like I I just think this guy is an all-time great and I think he's gonna do to Justin Gaethje what he's done to everyone else I I think it's gonna be a 50 45 decision
1: I think Justin's gonna give him a lot more troubling trouble in the wrestling department I really do I think he's gonna be able to force some scrambles he's it's, it's gonna be a lot closer than people think um So I'm going to go with Justin Gaethje. I I think he's going to be able to get out of some early takedown attempts, scramble, frustrate Khabib, um, turn it into more of his game, keep the fight in the center of the the octagon, and just inflict damage. That's what the guy does, and there's no hotter fighter right now, probably in the organization, than Justin Gaethje. So I'm rolling with the Justin Gaethje fourth-round KO. Backflip off the top of the octagon, fight island, your new champion of the world. Hey, would love to see it. So, I'm pumped, Billy. I'm super pumped. I cannot wait for Saturday to get here.
2: You want to give? You want to give the people our hardcore fight, and then uh, and then we go, can get out of here.
1: Go ahead, give them your hardcore fight.
2: Nathaniel Wood against Casey Kenny. Parker, I know you know who Nathaniel Wood is because that's one of your uh, UK guys, trained by Brad One Punch Pickett. People love the slaps as he's walking into the octagon, right? Considered probably the best 135 prospect in all of Europe. Um, only loss in the UFC is to uh, noted fan favorite, Mirab Davalashvili. But Casey Kenny wins over guys like Ray Borg, our guy Brandon Royval, Luis Smolka, and Manny Bermudez. This is going to be a banger, Parker, Capital B banger. Tune in for this one on the prelims early Saturday morning.
1: Uh, the two – I had three fights, really. Um, the Robert Whitaker cannoneer fight, that's going to be a banger. And it's kind of, like I said, it's flying under the radar because of how big and important this Justin versus Khabib fight is. But everyone tune into that. That's the Cone main event. Um, I believe to kick off the main card, our guy is back. Eon Kuntalaba is back against – I'm going to butcher this name. Bill, you go ahead with the –
2: magomed and kalaya
1: there you go um the
2: rematch of the fight that made us fall in love with our boy yanku the rope
1: dope the rope dope um and i think these guys have had both of them have had positive covid tests leading up to this fight Oh yeah
2: oh yeah oh yeah it's been canceled twice due to positive covid tests on either side
1: yeah Th- this is going to be a chaos chaos fight um so keep an eye on that one and then another one that I mean I didn't see until today. Our guy, uh Ty Bam Bam Tulavasa, is back in action at heavyweight the taking King. on Yeah, taking on the skyscraper, Stefan Struve. Um, Billy, will we see our first Fight Island Shoey this weekend?
2: Man, they Mick Maynard better have it ready for Ty Tui Vasa, right? Like someone better
1: have a beer in their hand. <sighs>
2: The people want it. This is a hell of a card, man. It's got some low-key... Like, there's not a lot of, like, ranked fighters on this other than the Cannoneer-Whitaker matchup. But this is loaded with action fighters. Like, loaded with guys who just get in there and bang.
1: Yeah. This could be versus Gaethje fight. This is... This is a fight I... I think this is the most pumped I've been for for one single fight, you know, all year. This is... This is crazy. This is going to be awesome. So... Yeah, everyone tune into the fights this weekend. Um, Like we said, early start. So make sure to get out there, get the pay-per-view, and get your popcorn ready around 1 o'clock in the afternoon uh, central time. So, Billy, any closing words?
2: You know – I, I, I still we, we could talk about this offline, but we need to come up with some sort of contest when we uh, disagree this much on our picks.
1: We need to keep a running tally over the year, and we see how dominant I am in my, my picks over you. You're supposed to be the analyst. Aren't you like a, like a writer, a beat writer or something? Come on, I'm just a guy oh. talking shit.:
2: Well, Parker, the nice part is, is like I don't pick against Alexander Volkanovsky every single time he fights.
1: Mark my words, T City Ortega, your new champ. All right, Parker's MMA show, like always uh, what is that? Episode 52. We're rocking and rolling, Billy. 51, 52. We're getting up in the 50s. Uh, all right, our Ray Lewis episode. We appreciate everyone for tuning in. Continue to like, share, do all that good stuff. If you haven't checked out our check out our interview with Frank Mir we did uh, a couple weeks ago that was really cool, really good interview and we'll be back next week to recap the fight so everyone have a safe weekend and enjoy the fights
0: texas trees is the premier tree care company in the dfw area whether you need basic maintenance or specialized services when it comes to trees we've got you covered fruiting chipping bracing and cabling even root barriers and disease control we do it all And if you aren't sure what you need, we have certified arborists on staff to point you in the right direction. Visit us at NorthTexasTrees.net. That's NorthTexasTrees.net. Thanks for listening to Parker's MMA Show. Take a moment to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and visit Parker Keen's MMA Show.podbean.com for additional information on Parker and to stay up to date on the latest drama in the fight world. For more information and important links about today's episode, check out the show notes.